Five kernels of corn. I hope that you keep those in mind as we think about this sermon. There's a story about two men, and uh, they were kind of sneaking through a pasture to do some hunting when all of a sudden an enraged bull came charging at them. And so they had to run for their lives because they had to get over the fence to safety. And they kept running, and one guy turned to his friend John and says, I don't think we're going to make it. You need to pray. Pray a prayer. He says, I've never prayed in public. He said, well, you better pray now because we're about to, you know, get overrun with this bull. And he says, well, I'll just pray the prayer that my father used to pray. Dear Lord, we're truly thankful for what we're about to receive. Well, as we think about the pilgrims and Thanksgiving this Thursday, which tradition tells us began with those people that made the journey across the ocean to be here with us in the Mayflower, the Pilgrim Fathers landed at Plymouth Rock over 300 years ago, and they knew nothing about the prosperous times that you and I can enjoy today. And so the next time we're tempted to complain about our cost of living or our economic condition, we need to think about what they endured. During that first long winter at Plymouth Colony, seven times as many graves were made for the dead as homes for the living. The ship, which was supposed to bring food and relief, brought 35 more mouths to feed, but no provisions whatsoever. And yet William Brewster, one of the colony's leaders, rising from a sparse Plymouth dinner consisting of a plate of clams and a glass of cold water, thanked God for the abundance of the sea and the treasures hid in the sand. They didn't have much, but they possessed a great attitude, and it was upon the spirit of gratefulness these strong people who were devout and sincere America was built on their backs. And the descendants of the first pilgrims had a custom of putting, as I said, five kernels of corn on their plate each Thanksgiving, and they would share around the table things that they were grateful for. It was to remind them that the first pilgrims were in such dire straits that their allowance was only five kernels of corn per day at some stretches of their lives. We have many reasons to be thankful, and we're going to look at the five kernels of truth today, five kernels of things that we can be thankful for from Psalm 103. In verse 1 of this chapter, we see David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. In this verse, David called upon his body and mind and soul and spirit to join in one grand symphony of praise to God for all the benefits that God had poured out upon his life. So let's look at five things. I encourage you to take out your little outline today and just fill in these five things. You'll remember them more if you write them down. The first of all, the kernel of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Verse three, the first half of that verse says, who forgives all your iniquities. The word iniquities, that's a very strong word. It's far stronger than saying we made a mistake or I messed up. God forgives our iniquities. That means our bentness towards self and selfishness and sin of our being and all the wicked actions and thoughts these lead us to do and think. David sees the believer as a forgiven sinner. He forgives all our iniquities. Now there's an item to praise God for. One of the most blessed things about salvation is knowing that we can have a clear conscience that we can be right between ourselves and our Creator and right with our fellow man if we're willing to reconcile and grant forgiveness or seek forgiveness for ourselves. So all the things that we've ever done, 
all things presently we've done and all things in the future will do that God has already forgiven us if we know Christ as Savior. Now think about that. How extensive is God's forgiveness? Well, in the Psalm, verse 12, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Do you know how far that is? Now think about it. I know that many of you think about this in, a, in, in the terms of, you know, God casts us into the, the sins into the deepest sea and all these things. But if we stop and think about it, if you have a point, a beginning point, and you go north, and you go far enough, you're going to reach the North Pole. And then when it's your North Pole, you head south, you go as far as you can, you get to the South Pole. But if you have a point, and you begin, and you go east, that goes on into eternity. You never reach west, and same for west as well. So God takes our sins and casts them away into infinitude. To It's gone forever as far as he is concerned. And so the question is, do we have that assurance of our sins that are forgiven? Maybe here today, maybe you're listening online. Maybe you don't know Christ as your Savior, to know that peace, that clear conscience of forgiveness of sin. It's because that we have to come to a place and realize and admit that we sin, that we do things wrong. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we do that as a believer, then we're forgiven and rightly related back to God. But as an unbeliever, we have to confess that we've done things wrong and realize that Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood as a payment for your sin and my sin. And the work is already done. It's by grace we are saved. And when we receive him as our personal Savior and turn away from our sin, then we have the assurance of forgiveness of sin. In 1 John 5.13, the writer says, these things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now you can know that your sins are forgiven. You can have the assurance that God has forgiven you of all your sin and we are walking as part of God's forever family. And so I hope that you've made that decision today and I hope that you know that for yourself and that if you haven't and you receive Christ today, you'll have something eternally to be thankful for, your salvation. For us who are believers, we should reflect and think back to that day when we crossed that line of faith and how God has changed us and transformed us because we made that decision for Christ. The second kernel on the plate of thanksgiving represents the kernel of healing. The kernel of healing. Look at the second part of verse 3, talking about God who heals all your diseases. Now, we know for a fact that in this world, we don't see everyone get healed from their disease, even when we earnestly pray and seek for God to do that. So what does this verse mean? Well, it could be talking about physical healing. That's what we think of first when we talk about someone with health problems getting well. This could be emotional healing. It could be spiritual healing. It could be relational healing. But remember, all healing is divine healing. And recovering from sickness, injury, or surgery is the result of the healing properties that God has built into our bodies. So when we have a doctor or a surgeon and nurses that attend to us and they bring about that healing process, God is the one behind all of that. 
And so this verse, second of all, doesn't mean that God heals everyone's diseases in this life, but it is he who heals all diseases. He's behind it all. He's the source of medical technology. He's the one that can divinely heal us without medical abilities as well. But one thing we can be sure of, that God will heal at some point. Sometimes it's taking a saint home to heaven that completes the healing. And this week we uh, had the opportunity to see that before our very eyes as Lois Lee went home to be with the Lord. And uh, God completely healed her from heart conditions and the double pneumonia and the other things that she was facing. And now she's in the presence of Jesus and ageless and able to do anything because she has been completely healed. God is the ultimate healer. Well, the larger point I want you to see is that one of the greatest blessings you should thank God for this Thanksgiving is your health and the health of your family. If the fact that we could get up this morning and uh, uh, eat and be able to get around, even if we have a little bit of pain or a little bit of uh, illness of some kind or sinus pressure, we can still get out and do the things that God want us, wants us to do. And we can be thankful. If you're not diagnosed with a terminal illness this year, you should give thanks because millions of people around the world who may have terminal illness do not live with good health care. And they don't have the opportunities that we have here in America. This past year, your children have been or are daily being exposed to COVID-19. And hopefully because of God's mercy and the miracle of modern medicine, they are well and healthy today and are taking precautions. Or maybe by God's grace and medical advances, they've gotten over COVID or some other disease. Don't take these things for granted. This Thanksgiving, be grateful for God that he's healed you and he's kept you healthy. The, third, the next thing we see is the kernel of deliverance and protection. The kernel of deliverance and protection. It says in verse 4, who redeems your life from destruction. We've seen a lot of destruction with the deratio, as Nancy mentioned, with the COVID-19, with the uh, unrest in cities with, that have been um, affected by riots and things like that. We've seen a lot of damage and destruction. But you never know what destruction that God may have saved you from this year because of God's protection. I don't know about you, but I've happened onto car accidents and seen sometimes how horrific those accidents are. And I'm thankful that if I'd have been there five or 10 seconds earlier, I might've been the one in that vehicle. And you pray for those people as they go through that. Do you think about those times that maybe your guardian angels protected you by being late or something like that? I think of the stories of 9-11, of people who were late getting their child to kindergarten and they didn't get to the towers when the plane hit. Somehow God sovereignly protected them. Have you thought about maybe one time you thought about leaving the house and there was something on the stove cooking and at the last second you remembered that and you went in and turned it off. And what destruction that might have occurred if you hadn't remembered to do that. Some of us have experienced car accidents or loved ones in the hospital with serious ailments which could have been catastrophic except for God's deliverance and protection. I know our first responders, our healthcare workers, our military service men and women are daily in harm's way. And God continues to deliver them 
and deliver you and I, and we want to know that he did so for a reason, in his sovereignty and his wisdom for our good. God allowed some this year to go into eternity, some in your family, some in our church family, but he allowed us to live. So whether it was something you never knew, even knew could have happened, or something that did happen, it could have been worse or surviving a war or the question is why did God deliver you from destruction? He did so because he has a purpose and a particular plan for your life. And he has a particular day when you will have an appointment with him and nothing will get in the way of that until that day occurs. In Isaiah 43, 7, it says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. You and I, we have a purpose. We're here to honor, to glorify, to point people to Jesus Christ, to exalt and praise his name. In Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, it tells us that the saved have been predestined for the praise of God's glory. It says in Ephesians 1, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now here's a question for you and I to think about at this Thanksgiving time. Are we fulfilling the purpose for which God has created us? To live our lives in such a way that our words, our actions, our attitudes and habits and thoughts bring glory to God. That's just your basic pen, right? And this pen has one purpose and one purpose alone, if it works right. And that is to write on a piece of paper or fill out a card. Have you ever been to a church visiting sometime and they have those visitor's cards and either there's a pen in the back of the pew or they hand you one and you begin to write and the ink doesn't work and you shake it and then you turn the card over and you're drawing circles and, well, you know what, if that pen doesn't do anything, it's worthless, right? It doesn't meet the purpose for which it was made. But you and I, we were made for a special purpose and we're made to use the gifts that God has given us, our natural gifts and our spiritual gifts for the glory of God, to serve others. And so it's important that we are, understand, are we fulfilling God's purpose for our lives? And if not, I urge you to surrender to God and make sure that you allow the Spirit to fill you and to live for God's glory and his glory alone. And if you're fulfilling God's purpose in your life, living for his glory, you have much to be thankful for, for God's way is always the way that is filled with purpose. It's filled, his way is filled with meaning and joy. And in those times of purpose, meaning, and joy, that's the best kind of life that you and I could ever live. Let's look at that fourth kernel, the pretend is in your hand, the first fourth kernel of thanksgiving, the kernel of God's love and mercy. God's love and mercy. It says there in verse 4, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. The Hebrew word translated loving kindness here is chized, which means a lot of things, because in the context in the Hebrew, you can get different meanings. But Basically, this, root has, uh, this word has a root meaning, steadfast love, steadfast goodness, kindness, faithfulness. In the Old Testament, it's translated 149 times as mercy. Kindness is translated as this word is 40 times. Loving kindness, 30 times. 
goodness 12 times, kindly 5 times, merciful 4 times, favor 3 times, and one time each it's translated as good and goodliness. These are a lot of good things when you read that word who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. David says that those who belong to the Lord are crowned, are crowned with God's steadfast love and tender mercies. I thought this was an unusual way to put it, but it suggests, as commentators say, that crowning is the bestowing of blessing upon someone. Adam Clark, in his commentary, says the idea here is not merely that God is the source of these blessings, but that there is something of beauty, of dignity, of honor, as in the conferring of a crown or garland on anyone. It's as if God is placing his hands on us every time he blesses us and pours out this personal blessing upon each and every one of us in our lives. What a wonderful picture. Are you getting an idea of how fortunate you are to be the recipient of God's grace? God shows us his steadfast love and tender mercies every day of our lives. We just simply have to recognize when he does it. The problem is we get so busy focusing on and counting our problems, we can't see the wonderful manifestations of his steadfast love and tender mercies all around us. In a moment, we'll talk about God's wonderful blessing and provision of material things. But just think for a moment of God's steadfast love and tender mercies in the spiritual realm. Truly, if we're honest, all of us deserve to be separated from God for eternity and hell because of our sin. We deserve God's judgment upon us. But because of his grace and mercy and his loving kindness, he saved us. Austin preached on this earlier this year in Ephesians 2.4, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Think about that. His great love and mercy poured out on us at the point of our salvation that continues on day after day as we walk in his grace. How good, how merciful and loving our God is. And I hope this Thanksgiving you'll give God the thanks for his manifest acts of love and mercy in your life. Lastly, at the end of verse 5 in Psalm 103, we see this. Who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Think of all the good material things the Lord has blessed you and I with. We are the richest people on the planet. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 8 that we should be thankful if we have in this life two things, food and clothing. I remember when we were on a missions trip to Mexico, they thought they were wealthy if they had a, a house, if they had, a food, if they had food, and if they had a car. They thought they were wealthy if they had those three basic things in the part of Mexico that we were ministering to. But everything above food and clothing is icing on the cake. But we have so much more. We have material blessings beyond the wildest dreams of the rest of the world and even past generations. One of our biggest problems as Americans is not hunger or starvation, but an overabundance of food to eat. Eating has become recreational instead of a necessity. And maybe because of COVID-19, you didn't have the best year this past year, but you should thank God that some of the people that you know have overcome COVID-19 who had it that God has provided even though some people have lost their jobs due to the shutdowns or the downsizing because 
of the way the economy went when we were locked down and with this COVID, that we have a place to call home and loved ones we can talk to at a distance. I hope you're thankful today for face-to-face communications. I remember when I was a kid going to Buell Planetarium in, in Pittsburgh as a kid, and they talked about the day that maybe we would be able to see the person we're talking to on the telephone, right? Well, that day has been here for a while. And at that time, I thought that was a dream. I thought that was never going to happen in my lifetime. So listen, God has been so good to you and I, and I hope you'll pause this Thanksgiving and give thanks to God for his many acts of steadfast love and tender mercies that he's crowned you with. Here's some closing thoughts. David tells himself in verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What if you all really thank God for everything in your life, even the mundane things that we do on a day-to-day basis that we take for granted? On Thanksgiving, it's not unusual for us to give thanks for all his blessings and his goodness. But now as we turn our attention next week to the Christmas season and we think about Advent, may we carry on that attitude of, of thankfulness an attitude of gratitude as we go into that season that so oftentimes becomes overwhelming with uh, parties and material things and getting the Christmas cards out and all those things. It's going to be a little different this year for Christmas, but may we be different and being able to have a thankful heart as we go through that time of year. Remember the key points on your outline today. This year, thank God for forgiving you of all your iniquities and think about where you were when you came to faith in Christ and where you are today and how God has blessed you and allowed you the privilege of having a clear conscience and a relationship with him. Second of all, this Thanksgiving, give thanks to God for your health and your healing. This Thanksgiving, give thanks to God for delivering your life from destruction, providing protection to you and your family. Vow to fulfill the purpose that God saved you for. Each one of us have a very important role to play in God's kingdom work in this life and live your life to the glory of God. Fourthly, we talked about thanking God for his multitude acts of love and mercy in your life, which we do not deserve. It's by grace. But we so wonderfully receive as God showers his blessings upon us. And lastly, thank God for his provision for all your needs and so, so many of our wants as well. So on the back side of your outline, I left you three questions to think about. I hope that you'll take some time this week when maybe you have a little more free time than normal because of the holiday. What five things can you say to God that you are thankful for? Take some time in your personal devotion time or reflection time at night before you go to bed and write down five things this week that you're thankful for. Second of all, who can you contact this week and share that you are thankful for them? You and I, we all stand on the shoulders of others who've poured into our lives, who's mentored us, who's taught us, who we've maybe watched from a distance and we've picked up and we've learned from them. And it's made us partly who we are because of that person. Who can you write a letter to or send an email to this week to let them know that you're appreciative of them and their investment into your life? And thirdly, what can you look back and see this year that God did that only he could do in your life. That's a, that's a very important thing to think about. Are there some God things that if God didn't show up, this wouldn't have happened? 
write those down and think about those things today. I want to turn your attention, instead of having a prayer time to end the sermon, I want you to watch this video, Thanksgiving Anthems, and then we'll sing our last song. Today I lift my eyes to the heavens and count my blessings. I think of all my needs that were met today. The clothes on my back. A place to lie down tonight. Nothing miraculous or earth-shattering. Just the small things that help keep me going day after day. Thank you, God. I have food on my table. Help to get me through the day. Good memories I've shared. All the beauty that makes life special. Thank you, God. I'm blessed by what I can see and touch. What I can feel in the moment. But Lord, you transcend feelings and moments. You sacrificed your life so I could see beyond what's under my feet and over my head. <sighs> Thank you, God. That kind of love keeps my heart free. During seasons where peace is hard to come by, even when I can't see or touch a blessing. I know I can close my eyes and say, thank you, God. I've, I've lost a lot this year. Things I worked hard for. Dreams I was sure were gonna come true. People I never wanted to say goodbye to. I walked a hard path of trial. And pain and despair. But I never walked it alone. Even now, I can say thank you, God. Because no matter what is set before me, dark valleys or green pastures, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And when this life is over, I'll dwell with you in your house forever. So I just want to stop and tell you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.